welcome to Cats Out of the Bag. It sounds like I'm reading off of like cue cards or something. It sounds yeah. like you've never said it before. I know. <laughs> we are going to be this robotic for the rest of the episode. Uh, you definitely will be. Ooh. Oh! Because I sound like I'm never having fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like whenever I edit it, I'm like, man, Kylie sounds pissed off. Yeah. It's just uh, my tone, I guess. You have to like try. Do like the Australian well, thing where they go like up at the end of the <laughs> sentence so it sounds more enthusiastic. So it sounds like a question? No. That's a California thing. It's a California thing? So, like, <laughs> what's going on? Well, it's also an Australian thing. But no, it's actually for real. Because, well, normally... As we're actually talking about this in rehearsal. When when you normally when humans talk, they go towards like a lower register to end the sentence like that. Mm-hmm. When you he's like do it up like that, and you sound like more enthused. <laughs> Would you not be worried about me if that's how I talk? If you started doing that, <laughs> I'd, be comp- I'd be. I would be worried you were on something. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> But exactly. not after we've told you to do it. Yeah, sure. and I'm not going to do it. Okay. Oh my god, I'm Mina. I'm, I'm Kylie. <laughs> I'm Sam. Cats are Griffin and Nomi. Do we want to just jump in? Yeah, I guess. Sure. Here's our awkward transition. Take it away, Sam. Hello and welcome. <laughs> in honor of Black History Month, I'm going to talk to you. Kind of about the people from Hidden Figures. But mostly oh. about Katherine Johnson. Oh, yes! I almost did this weeks I, ago. I kept thinking that I had done it yeah. before, but I think it was just like Mae Jemison, also NASA, like, yeah. so there are similarities. So, I am going to tell you about Katherine Johnson, who was like the fucking smartest person, whatever. True. She um, is like what they called like a human computer because she would compute things. Um, and when she worked in NASA, and I'll get into actually, like, what that was that she did, but Mm -hmm. she's, like, fucking insane. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, when she was, like, younger, she was handpicked to be one of the three black students to integrate in West Virginia's, like, schools. Oh! Um, when she was younger. But, like, you know, that's not fucking at all, like... In the scheme, she was like, she said it was a really big or like one of her great accomplishments. But then you like look at everything else and you're like, (laughs) okay, but also, um, she was born in 1918. She like was just like running through grades. She went to high school when she was 10. Oh my god, what (laughs) I never knew that. (laughs) Yeah, she literally went to high school when she was 10. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah. Um, she, in 13, yeah, there was, like, someone was, like, she went to high school when she was 10, and then someone was, like, by the age of 13, she was attending high school. Duh. Sure. Same. Sure. Um, she, act, and then she graduated from high school at 14 and went to college at West Virginia State, which is, like, a historically black college. Sure. She took every single math course that they offered. Oh, my God. <laughs> Multiple professors mentored her, including, um... W.W. Shifen Clay, Clayter, the third African-American to receive a Ph.D. in math. Wow. And he wow. added math courses just for her. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being that influential. I yeah, no, like, she really was just taking all of them, so he just, like, made new ones for her to take because she would, like, take and all the other ones. That's wow. so cool. Um, 
She graduated with Simone Cum Laude in 1937 with degrees in mathematics and French at the age of 18. Damn. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, lift her up. It's crazy. No. Yeah, she's... No, I'm like... It's like, I'm, it's I'm hard... to believe. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to explain kind of like how smart she was. When she was little, like, she would like count everything all the time. Like, she just liked numbers. She did. Sure. She was like always just really good at that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um... So when she graduated, she went to do do to um sorry da, da. she counted everything. She would count the number of steps she took to the road. She counted the steps in her church. She counted the forks and plates when she washed the dishes. Love her. Um and um so when she graduated college, she took a job teaching at a black public school in Virginia. That she taught it for a while, but then left when she got pregnant and, like, wanted to stay home with her her kids. But then, um, so that was, so she graduated in 37. In 1952, one of her relatives was like, you know, like, there's, like, open positions at the, um, the all-black area of the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, which would then later become NASA. Oh, cool. So it started as the NACA mm-hmm. um, that was led by Dorothy Vaughn. I'm going to get back to her later. Nice. Um, so they decided to move to, um, for like, where that Langley in order to work there. Can you stop, please? <laughs> Griffin was scratching. Scratchy scratch. True. Um, and Dorothy Vaughn was like, hey, like, go do all this stuff. So she... Came, like, t- did a project that was maneuvering load branch of the flight research division. And, like, she was supposed to only be in the spot temporarily, but then it was a permanent spot. So she spent the next four years analyzing data from flight tests. She worked on, like, investigations of plane crashes. Oh, like, wow. she was doing all kinds of stuff about turbulence and airflow. Um, and she was doing that for a while. Her husband died in, like, the middle of that. But in 1957... The Soviets, like, launched the first satellite into space, and everyone was like, oh my god, we need to be doing so much more stuff. Yeah. Um, so she, Catherine, like, wrote a bunch of stuff in 1958 about, like, all of the lectures that engineers had given in the, like, organization. There's so many fucking acronyms in this. (laughs) (laughs) Flight Research Division and the Pilotus Aircraft Research Division. Pard. Okay. Pard. And then, um... You heard. And then there was also, like, a space task group. Whatever. So then later, <laughs> later, um, NACA became NASA. And so she did, like, the trajectory analysis for Alan Shepard's flight. She, which was the first time that American, like, Americans had set humans into space. She also, like, co-authored, listen to this fucking title. Co-author, determination of azimuth angle of burnout for placing a satellite over a selected Earth position. Which literally was a report laying out the equations describing an orbital spaceflight where the landing position could be specified. Wow. And it was the first time a woman in the flight research division had received credit as an author of a research report. What? Yeah. So, I'm sorry, but imagine... You graduate college at 18 and you're going to work at some school, like, and you're that smart. I can only imagine that, like, things must be so boring. You because think? Yeah. your mind, is, your mind yeah. is so good that it's 
it needs to be like exercised a certain way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you can. I do kind of feel like that. A lot of the women, like that, well, like Catherine and the other women, also like wanted to do a lot of like fostering other people and minorities to take places, so they would like purposely after reaching a point like take a demotion if that meant mm. that the d- demotion like supported minorities that's amazing which is incredible because it's like yeah girl what yeah <laughs> you're oh. so sm- but i think maybe she was amazing. like she wanted to like help other students of i assume course. but like also yeah. yeah i'm like she could do all of this math she literally like this is before computers were a thing, like, that we know today. Like, they would use her to check if the computers were right. Oh, my God. Because she could do so much, like, insane division in her head so quick to, like, crazy decimal points that they calibrated the machines off of her. She's amazing. What the fuck? So cool. Ugh. Yeah, no, she's unreal. Um, so, um, so... In the early days of NASA, women were not allowed to put their names on stuff. And when she was working with Ted Shaponsky, he wanted to, like, leave to go work in Houston or whatever. And um, their supervisor, who was, like, not a fan of women at all, was like, no, you got to finish this report before you can leave, whatever. And Ted was like, um, Catherine should finish it. She's done most, if not all, of the work anyways. And then he just left. And so their supervisor had no choice. So so that was why she got her name on the report. Oh, okay. But that's really cool because, like, basically he, like, he was like, no, like, she did the work. I'm just going to fucking leave. So if you want the work to be finished, you have to use her. And so yeah. she got her to be able to put her name nice. on stuff, which was which was really cool. Yeah. Um Okay. So um in 1962, NASA's preparing for the orbital mission of John Glenn, which is the like thing that um Hidden Figures is mostly talking about. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to like um, use IBM computers that would then like be able to map where Glenn was around the Earth, but they like used DC, Cape Canaveral, and Bermuda, Bermuda, which is like really one part of the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of weird, but okay. Um, and so they like had all of these like um, they were like putting in these programs about the equations because like the earth is a circle but the orbits are elliptical so it's like all kind of weird yeah and um so like literally everything had was like based off of that stuff and she literally would do like most of the calculations by hand using like a mechanical calculating machine which i don't know what that means an abacus that's what i thought and i was like what this bitch doesn't mean abacus (laughs) I don't know, actually. Um, she calculated, like, launch windows. She made backup navigation charts if everything of all the electronics failed. She, like, calculated, like, stuff that had to account for gravitational pulls of celestial bodies. All this stuff. So when Glenn was about to go into orbit, like, he literally was like, please only... He was like, Catherine needs to check the numbers. Yeah, like, that's amazing. He added... He literally asked her, like, for her specifically, and refused to fly until she checked the numbers by hand against the computer. Like, he, the quote is, like, he said, get the girl. But, like, Mm -hmm. she was also the only girl. Like, not just, like, the only black girl. She was the only girl 
mm-hmm. in this room of white dudes. And, like, that's the one he was like, no, you need to get the girl to do this. Like, I'm not going to go into space and risk my life until you have Catherine check the numbers by hand. She's amazing. I don't want to compare myself to her at all, but I've been in a room and up with, like, a bunch of white guys where I'm the only one, and it's terrifying. So I can't imagine doing that every single day. And also, being the smartest person in the room, and they probably didn't even, like, They didn't want to listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But I love that. He literally was like, "Um, I know you guys put this in the computer, but, like, she needs to do it. He said, if she says they're good, then I'm ready to go. Love Like, straight up. (laughs) And so, like, his, um, like, flight was a success. He went up and came down totally fine. So it was, like, this huge, huge thing. Okay, yeah. She said, like, while the racial and gender barriers were there, like, she actually, like, kind of didn't care. (laughs) She was like, I ignored them. I didn't care. Like, I wanted to go into meetings because I needed to get into meetings. And, like, there are meetings where no women had ever been in. And she was like, okay, but I'm doing the work, so I need to go into the meeting. And then, like, went to the meetings and, like, stuff like that. Like, she was just, like, very assertive and was like, here, I'm doing the work. Like, let me do this stuff. Which was really cool. Because, like, that's a lot of bravery she um helped like her calculations helped people to like literally land on the moon 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 by like (laughs) coordinating all the stuff she co-authored or authored 26 different research reports in 33 years working there she also like helped um um she helped come up with paths paths for the Apollo like lunar landal lander god fucking damn it I can't say anything it's okay she helped come up with paths for the lunar lander and like the space shuttle programs yeah she also worked on a program for a mission to Mars what yeah I didn't know that either I think it was just they were like let's talk about it just for funsies yeah she's like like, oh maybe this could work and they're like that's exactly correct yeah Yeah. problems um she came up with like a one star like observation system that would allow the astronauts to determine if they were where they should be without the computers like she came up with all this stuff she was like Everyone else was worried about getting them up there. My main, my only concern was getting them back down. Yeah. And so that's what she did. Like, she was so good at coming up with all of those paths. Because it's harder. I mean, like, it's obviously very different. But, like, you're not, like, getting up there. It's just, like, up. Versus getting back. Like, you're moving at a different speed and a different shape than the Earth is. How do you figure out where you're going to land when you are coming in? How do you know when to come in? All this shit. And she's the one who figured all of that shit out. Amazing. Like, what the hell? Like, literally was like, okay, well, you're going this way. And the Earth's going this way. You want to go down into this gra- and like grab gravitational fields and, like, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. What? It's just wild. It's crazy. And, like, it's just crazy. Um, um, this thing said, Johnson had been listed among African Americans in science and technology. Yeah? Yeah. I sure <laughs> hope she is. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's weird. Um, she... Ba, 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 ba. Do, do, do. Okay. She retired in 1986, which was after, like, 33 years working there. She said that she, like, just loved every single day of working there. It sounds like she was just 
doing what she Like, she loved. was just like, I fucking love math. And just was, like, uh, doing math all day long. She had, she won a presidential medal of freedom from President Obama. She also, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, in 2016, NASA made a building called the Catherine J. G. Johnson Computational Research Facility. That's, like, obviously named after her. And when she went to... <laughs> Sorry! That's why I love it. When she went um, at the ceremony, the person who was, like, talking about it was, like, millions of people around the world watched the flights, but what they didn't know at the time was that the calculations that got him into space and safely home were by today's guest of honor, Katherine Johnson. Yeah! <laughs> Mattel made a Barbie about her. What? They really? made a Barbie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Look, she's her little NASA pass and everything. Oh my god, I like, I, I like her dress is pink. That's yeah, cute. I it's want that. it's very cute. Love it. She's wearing like Mar- heel Mary Janes nice. and like little glasses. Also, um, in August of 2018, she celebrated her 100th birthday. Yes. Wow. She's just Amazing. like chilling, true, living life, doing math. True. I assume. <laughs> I bet she just like does uh, Sudoku puzzles she's just like counting counting constantly or she's just like reading math journal like i don't even understand her but like this is the thing is like i don't really understand what she did because i don't understand it like i can't like wrap my head around like the physics and shit required to do stuff and like this is before computer like she was the computer true like there are things i mean like in i take sets so like i don't even speak about sets but like there are things that like we don't do by hand because they're too hard to do by hand Mm -hmm. but there are calculations that if you don't have a computer you would have to do it by hand yeah and like they didn't have computers so she was just doing all this shit by hand and it wouldn't even take her that long (sighs) she's amazing I mean, they might have had, like, very basic calculators, yeah. but, like, Maybe, computers yeah. as we think of today were very different in the oh, 60s, totally. but, like, what the fuck? Like, she was just, like, and, like, it wasn't like it took her, like, three days to do it. No. Like, she was super fast. Like, she just knew all of these numbers. Amazing. I just, I don't understand. If I met her, I'd be like, quick, what's 2091 times, you know, And <laughs> she'd be like, oh! Yeah. Yeah. She's so smart. True. Okay, so the other people that you may know from the movie, um, Hidden Figures, is Dorothy Vaughn, who um, also worked at NASA, and she was also a human computer. But basically, mostly what she is, like, known for was that she was the one who, like, learned how to program the computers, the actual, like, Uh, IBM machine computers. Mm -hmm. So she literally taught herself and then the rest of her staff the programming language Fortran, which is still used today. Like, I know people who use Fortran all the time. Mm-hmm. I've never used it, but... Like, she taught herself and then taught everybody. Which is That's the other awful. thing that I think is, like, insanely smart was that she was like, oh, these are going to replace us, so we better learn how to do it so that we won't get... Like, she had that foresight to be like, I can see them bringing in these machines and they think they're going to replace us, so let's learn the new tech... So that we're irreplaceable. True. Which is so smart. Like, that's, like, such forward thinking that a lot of people can't do well. Mm-hmm. Or, like, would be like, oh, I guess that means we're, we're done. We're done. Like, no. She, like, saw this coming and was like, okay, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. And I'm going to teach everybody else. Mm-hmm. So when the machines are here, the only people in the building who know how to run it is us. That's Octavia Spencer's character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
which is like just like a lot really good for that like that's one of the things that impressed me the most like math incredibly strong amazing but also like the forethought required to do that to think and like because a lot of people will be like oh technology i'm too scared to learn it or just like we'll never adapt and she was like oh if we want to have jobs better adapt so i'm going to learn how to adapt and then teach everybody else so she basically like taught all of the women that like she worked with the programming languages all the stuff and she like um transferred katherine johnson to work on the flight division she like transferred people to different places and she like did a ton of contributions for the actual like just any like not just the calculations but like just general stuff um and she also said like this is a quote from her about being african-american woman like when she's working there mm-hmm. uh, i changed what i could and when i couldn't i endured which uh. it's like like exactly what she did like but like not just like oh i need to save myself like um she also raised six children while she worked at nasa and went to work via public transportation last one mary winston jackson um was yes african american mathematician and aerospace engineer um she like worked she started as a computer working in um under on Dorothy Vaughn and then um she like had to fight into taking basically she like kept working up in the engineering group until she like had to take other like had to take classes in order to reach those spots which her boss like helped her to do that but she had to literally like petition the city to allow her to t- attend classes. Wow. Because wow. it was a segregated school. Wait, yeah, I remember that, that part of the movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and, but she became NASA's first black female engineer. Oh. And she did wind tunnel experiments, real world aircraft flight experiments. Like, she did theoretical aerodynamics. How? She and she was in she means. was in the, <laughs> the branch of subsonic transonic aerodynamics. Um, like, did a lot about airflow and thrust and drag forces. Nice. Um, she authored and slash co-authored 12 papers for NASA. And she also, like, so, in 1979, so she started working as an engineer in 1958. So, 1979, she's the, she had the most senior title within the engineering department. So, she decides to take a demotion so that she could work as an administrator in the equal opportunity specialist field so that she could like work at NASA headquarters to help like women and other minorities who are accomplished in the field like rise up mm-hmm. so basically helping them to be like an equal opportunity program and um, affirmative action but like not just being like we do these things but to like actually do those things yeah, which is amazing. crazy cool yeah this is my thing to end on, which is the Salt Lake City School Board in 2018 voted that um, they had a school called Jackson Elementary School that was named after President Andrew Jackson. And so they changed it to be named after Mary Jackson. Oh, nice. Hey. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and then they didn't lot. even have to change their, na- like, yeah, the name, like the name, yeah. but it's so much better. Oh, so definitely. Much. 
So Good for them. I don't even understand how these women were like, I don't understand what they did because they're so smart. Like, <laughs> just can't. Yeah, I just can't. They're insane. Yeah. So yeah, but they're really cool. I'm really happy that like they made that movie because oh, like obviously like, no one heard about them. And like it's not just like, oh we want to show a story. Like, these women were all, like, in fucking insanely smart. Like, it's not like you just, like, pick somebody just to be, like, let's add diversity. Like, these are people that, like, in their own right, regardless of everything else, should have been, like, doing all this shit. Because they were queasy smart. True. And also, that movie, like, literally made me cry. Oh, boo. <laughs> I love these people so much. True. It's so cool. So... Women in STEM slash black women excelling. Hell yeah. So good. Double whammy. Oh yeah. We'll put a picture of um, Katherine Johnson Barbie on our Instagram. True. At Out of Cats. Yes. Also watch Hidden Figures if you haven't seen it. It's a good movie. Okay, so I guess I'll start. Um, I guess I should say really quick... um, I have a few slurs here and there, just the N-word a few times. I will be saying it because I think it's authentic to to the story. Um, I also want to say I have a lot of information here, but I also left out some stuff to honor who I'm talking about, Mm. so I'm not making it like a... Slander? Yeah. Yeah. That type of stuff. Like, there was, like, in this one article I was reading, they were talking about my person's, like, height and their weight. And I'm like, that's weird. I don't like that. So I left out some stuff like that. Yeah. I thought as a person, I was like, yeah, I'm not putting it in my story. Um, So I'm going to tell the story of Emmett Till, which it's a pretty intense story, but I wanted to tell it because I feel like it's, it's a very important event in... Not like necessarily the civil rights movement, but kind of just that whole push for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I wanted to include his actual story instead of what happened to him. Like, where did he come from? What his life was like before all of this? What his plans were like? Stuff like that. Because I feel like a lot of stories just kind of leave that out when they talk about him. They just talk about what happened to him. So, anyway, regardless. Okay, going in. So, um, Emmett Till, he was born in 1941 in Chicago. We were born in the same state. Um, His mom was, uh, her name was Mammy, and uh, his dad was named Louis. Um, So, Mammy pretty much raised Emmett um, with her own mother because her, like, the dad wasn't in the picture at all. Like, Lewis and her separated in 1942, a year after Emmett was born. Um, and also, Lewis just was, like, a piece of shit. Like, he was extremely abusive towards Mammy, and that kind of led them to get divorced. Like, good riddance, whatever. Um, at the age of six, um, Emmett got polio, which left him with a stutter, which another thing I can relate to, because I grew up with a stutter, too. That still comes out sometimes. Um, uh, da, da, da. They lived in Detroit a little bit, um, but Emmett really preferred living in Chicago. So, like, him and his mother moved to Detroit, and then after a bit, he moved back to live with his grandmother in Chicago, and his mother came back to live with them after that, um, moving around a lot. Um, 
They lived on Chicago's south side, and if you've ever been on the south side of Chicago, it's very different from like the heart of the city, I guess. Um, like a lot poorer, a lot more, you know, under like not a lot privileged people live there. Like, I've been there; it's very different, even the atmosphere. Um, Emmett was a very actually like a hardworking child. He did a lot of chores around the house. Didn't complain. He sometimes got distracted while doing the chores, but who doesn't, you know, as mm-hmm. a kid? Um, uh, da, da, da. He was very protective of his mother, extremely protective. There was this one incident where her ex-husband, Louis, came around, and I don't know what happened, but he probably threatened Mammy or something, or was violent towards her. And he was 11 at the time, and he actually got, like, a butcher knife in his hand. And he was like, I will kill you if you do not leave. Which is crazy to be 11 years old and be that fearless, you know, Mm -hmm. talking to your own father. But it was all to protect his mother and himself as well. So, you know. But regardless of, like, that situation, he was an extremely happy, like, child. Um, He was known to pull pranks a lot. He was, like, a very, like funny kid um there's this one time where he was on a car ride with his friend and his friend fell asleep so he like took a pair of underwear and like put it on his friend's head like stupid stuff like that um he liked to play baseball with his friends he was also known to be a very like smart and like fashionable dresser um and he was often like the center of attention like for his friends so he was a pretty cool kid um uh, so he had an uncle. His I'm so confused on how to say his name. I think it's Mose. That's a name. Yeah, Mose Wright was his uncle. He was 64 years old. He was a sharecropper and also a part-time minister. So people called him preacher or the preacher. Um, and so one time he came to visit um, Mammy and Emmett in Chicago during the summer. And he told Emmett all of these amazing stories about, like, the Mississippi Delta and stuff. And Emmett was like, I really need to go visit there. We should go on a vacation. This is around, like, 1955. Um, and Mammy was like, yeah, you know, vacation sounds pretty nice, you know? Um, and she wanted to take him on a trip to visit relatives in Nebraska, but he was like, no, I have to go to Mississippi to go see Moe's right, right? Mm. And she was like, oh, fine, but I'm not going with you. Just go by yourself. Whatever. You have cousins there. Just go. So, um, Moe's Wright lived in Money, Mississippi, which is a great town name. Yeah, um, it is. It had three stores, one school, one post office, a cotton gin, and about a few hundred re- residents. So it was like a very small town. Um, and before Emmett left to go to this town... His mom was like, okay, we live in Chicago, which is like the north. Mississippi is extremely different, so you need to be careful. And he was like, oh yeah, of course, of course, of course I'll be careful. So she was fine with that and she let him go. So now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the atmosphere, kind of about Mississippi or like more like the south in general. So, um... Stats on lynchings, they started collecting those around 1882. Um, so who knows what was going on before then, but that's when they started doing it. Mm-hmm. So since that time, more than 500 
black people, mostly male, have been killed by violence in Mississippi alone, and more than 3,000 across the South. So that's a pretty scary environment to be going into. Um, most of the incidents took place between 1876 and 1930, and were technically less common towards the 50s, which is the time I'm talking about right now. Sure. But racially motivated murders and crimes or violence still happened pretty much on a daily basis. Like, mm. It wasn't like it went away. But, okay. And then also, this was around the time, I believe if I'm correct, was before interracial marriage was um, legal. So w- white people did not want to mix with people of color at all. It was just not something that happened at all. Um, Even, like, the suggestion of, like, sexual contact contact between, like, black black men, fuck, and white women could be, like, could have, like, a serious penalty. So, and also, um, World War II had just ended, so a bunch of, like, black veterans were coming home and, like, they were like, we deserve equal rights, blah, blah, blah. And so there was an increase in Jim Crow laws and, like, the Jim Crow atmosphere of the South was at an increase because the war had just ended. So, and oh, and also, um, this was around the same time that Brown versus Board of Education happened. And um. if you don't know it, that's was basically like, oh, black kids should go to school with whites. Like, that should be a thing. And they had just ruled that it could be a thing. That was 1954. This is 1955. Kyla, um, take a picture of Nomi. She's so happy. I know. I need to commemorate the fact that she's happy. Um, to kind of put for an example, um, white people were strongly against his court ruling, especially in Virginia. Like, Right. One county closed all public schools. Oh my god! To prevent integration, so, That's so I mean, dumb. yeah, That's so Trump level lining. I know. So and also to add, a week before Emmett Till arrived in Mississippi, a black activist named Lamar Smith was shot and killed in front of a county courthouse hmm. um, for political organizing. Um, they there were people arrested, but they were soon released, so no one got like. No one got in trouble for this. So, I mean, that was the atmosphere he was going into, which was extremely different from Chicago, which is very north compared to the south. So, that was the atmosphere he was going into. So, it was very, I mean, scary. Scary stuff. Mm -hmm. So, he arrived in Money, Mississippi on August 21st, 1955. Um, He had been there for a few days. I don't really know what he was doing between that time. But on August 24th, him and his cousin, Curtis Jones, they skipped church where Moe's Wright was preaching. They skipped church um, to go hang out with a few other um, boys that lived in the neighborhood. And they were just hanging out, and they wanted to go to a grocery to go buy some candy. Um, so the market that they wanted to go to, it's called Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market. Um, this market mostly served local sharecroppers, um, and was owned by a white couple, Roy Bryant, who is 24, and Carolyn Bryant, who is 21. 
Um, Carolyn was alone in the store that day. Her sister-in-law was there, but she was, um, like, towards the back watching children and stuff, so she wasn't really there. Um, so what happened was the boys, they showed up. Um, Curtis Jones left to go across the street to play checkers with this guy, and the other kids went into the store. Um, so... I'm going to tell a few, I think I have three different stories about what happened inside mm -hmm. the store. Okay. No one, I want to say no one really knows what happened because there are so many different stories, but anyway, I'll tell them anyway. Okay, stop, stop, stop. So this is according to Curtis Jones. He said this is what happened. He said this happened at the time, so like... Didn't he just if... leave? I know, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even inside the store. But this is what he said happened. Okay. Um, he said that Emmett had a photograph of an integrated, integrated class at the school he attended in Chicago. And Emmett like, was kind of bragging to the other boys that the white children in the picture, like those were his friends. And he had a girlfriend. And like, that's my girlfriend right there. Blah, blah, blah. And so they were like, oh, you have a girlfriend, like, you're friends with these white kids at your school. Sure, I dare you to go talk to Carolyn over there, that white lady over there. So that's what someone said. That's what happened. Um, so that's what Curtis Jones said. However, um, uh, Emmett's other cousin, Simon Wright, who was also there, said that what Curtis said did not happen at all. Like, that's not true. According to Simon, Emmett didn't have a photo at all in his wallet, and he, no one dared him to flirt with this Carolyn person. Like, no one told him to do anything. This is a quote from Simon. He said this in 2015. Um, we didn't dare him to go to the store. The white, the white folks said that. They said that he had pictures of his white girlfriend. There were no pictures. They never talked to me. They never interviewed me. The FBI report later, bless you, um, Curtis Jones took back his statement. And he said that wasn't true at all. He but he said the first statement in 2015. So when did he take it back? No, 2016? Um, Simon Wright was oh, the one oh, that sorry, said sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no worries. Um, sorry, a lot of dates. If you ever get confused, just tell me and I'll try to... Okay. Um, so, and then, yeah, so Curtis said that happened, and then later he said, no, it didn't happen, so, wah. Um, That's how were, I feel in class, always. Right? Uh, there were other kids that said, oh, Emmett, he, he whistled at Carolyn. Like, he was trying to flirt with her and provoke her and stuff. Um, Whistling's, like, kind of an odd choice, but whatever. Yeah, I know, off for of a little kid with, like, a stutter, like... I don't know, it's, it's a little weird. You would um, think he wouldn't be the brave one out of the bunch, but... Oh, yeah, and as, especially after he said to his mother, like, oh, of course, like, for someone who respects his mother that much, I mean, who would yeah, threaten to murder his own father to protect his mother, I don't think he'd go against his mother's word at all. I so, agree. like, whistling at a white woman, I don't think this kid did that at all. But that's what people said, what some people said, that's what happened. So... Oh, where did I? Look at off? this mad baby. Oh. oh. Um. You're so mad, but you're so, so cute. So Simon Wright, one of Emmett's cousins, 
said that after Emmett whistled, he was like, well, that basically, like, scared the shit out of us. Like, we were like, okay, we have to go. He said, um, you know, we were almost in shock. We couldn't get out of there fast enough because we had never heard of anything like that before. A black boy whistling at a white woman in Mississippi? No. The Ku Klux Klan and Knight Riders were part of our daily lives. So... I love you, Nomi. I don't really Yikes. know. Okay, so... Uh, oh my god, so many notes. I'm covered so, in cat hair now. I'm just... Yeah, that's the life here. So, for that I would say, his mother, his own mother said that she taught him to whistle to kind of alleviate his stuttering. Because his speech was sometimes oh. unclear. He said... Well, her, his mother said that he had... A really hard time pronouncing B sounds and so she told him um, that whistle before you do it and maybe that'll help so he would whistle before he would say stuff especially stuff like the bees like say oh I'm gonna go to the store I'm gonna get some bubble gum or some candy bubble gum especially I'm gonna whistle bubble. beforehand so I won't stutter to say the B. I don't really know how that works, but... Yeah, I'm, like, trying to go through it. Yeah, I don't That really seems know. very weird, but I also don't know... I did speech therapy for many years. I've never heard of someone with a B stutter. Or, like, yeah. a B... Well, and... he had trouble pronouncing the word B. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm no, just no, saying no, no, I've, yeah. I've never heard of that before. But also, a lot of people... I guess it really depends also on, like, your accent of what, yeah. what um, words you find most difficult to say. Right. Because... Did like L's and PH's and M's and N's and I had a really hard trouble <laughs> with S's. like questions saying who, what, when, where, and why. I could not say I'd be like really? what, 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 like all the time. So maybe it's different for each person. I don't really know what her yeah the whistling goal thing was. is like very strange. Although yeah. I have been told many times in speech like you should have your mouth formed like this. You should yeah. have your tongue formed like this. But like it's usually that. Like, you should be doing this because this is what people without a speech impediment do. Mm-hmm. And so you should be modeling it after that. And, like, mm-hmm. B doesn't really, isn't, like, a whistle shape. I know. But it's, also, it's interesting. it also just might have been, like, he was good at whistling and she thought it would help. Maybe like, that, she's like, not a trained speech some, pathologist. Right. Maybe so that not, helped like, him, like, like cool clear the down, stuff. Yeah. Like, um, alleviate the stress, maybe. I don't know what, what, yeah. what, I don't know. Um... So, I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He he contracted polio. He had a stutter from yep. getting polio. So, and his mother's like, oh, um, to help with your articulation, whistle before you pronounce words. So that makes total sense. Yeah. So they could have been like, he whistled at her, oh my God. But he was just going to ask her for some bubble gum or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But I wasn't there. There are so many other things that people said happened. So it's just so complicated. But, okay. So... Now, this is what Carolyn said happened. This is what she said in court, and she testified that this happened. So she said that Emmett grabbed her hand while she was stocking candy and said, how about a date, baby? And then she said that she, like, took her hand away, like, from his grasp, and, like, ran towards, like, the register. He followed her. Like, grabbed her waist and was like, what's the matter, baby? Can't take it. 
Carolyn. What the fuck? I know. Yeah. A f- uh, what? Like a how old is he? Like 13, 14, 12, whatever? Like, sure. With a stutter? Yeah, sure. Kids that smooth. Sure. So, and also, a lot of people who had polio were also like crippled. Like, I yeah, know. he's very smooth. Yeah, right? Have you ever so, met a 13 year old boy? I know. What? <laughs> exactly. So he like grabbed her waist and then she like went no, away from him again. And Emmett said, you needn't be afraid of me, baby. And then he said, like, some bad words. And he's like, I've been with white women before. My God. I know. That's what she said what happened. That's, like, outrageous. Like, I can know. Can be more dramatic? Words yeah. like that don't come out of a kid's mouth. No. I'm sorry. They just don't. Especially a shy kid. I know. A shy, shy kid with yeah. a stutter. Like, are you kidding me? I can barely say a fucking word when I was Yeah, a kid and like with a in stutter. a tense situation, your stutter doesn't go away. It, it doesn't get be. better. Like, I know. you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't it doesn't get better the more stressed you are. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like my thing is, it's like black kids aren't stupid. Like they know. Yeah. If you do shit mm-hmm. like that, you're going to get in trouble regardless. He wasn't yeah. doing it for a laugh. He wasn't doing it for fun. Like this never happened. Yeah. Like, that's weird. It's like. Very out of character for anybody, but especially him. So then, after that happened, Carolyn was like, oh my god, one of Emmett's friends, like, came into the store and, like, grabbed him by the arm and was like, you need to leave. Um, then, uh, in 2008, 2008, she was like, none of that happened. That's not true. All of that stuff that I said in court never happened. Thanks. Um, and she was also, at the time, 72 years old. And so she was like, I really can't remember. Blah, blah, blah. And then after that, she said, nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him. So Great. She, she lied. Good. And Thank the you. little boy was murdered. So, honestly, I don't feel bad for her. Hell no. I could care less yeah. about her life and how she feels right now. Like, you lied, and the little kid got murdered. So, ugh. Anyway. <clears throat> I'm giving Nomi a treat. So, um, same guy I talked about before, Simon. Decades later, even regardless about what he said, this is what he said actually had. So, he entered the store less than a minute after Emmett went in. Um, and he said he saw no inappropriate behavior at all. Like, Emmett, wow. didn't, de- Emmett didn't even talk to her. Hardly. So, Simon yeah. said that Emmett paid for his items and then they left the store. Okay. So, and then in a 2006 investigation of this case, the FBI said that there was a second person there that confirmed that nothing happened. He didn't say anything to Carolyn at all. Are, is there going to be a point where there's any, like, provocation of, like, what happened? Like, was there anything that happened that to provoke his murder? Um, so there was probably stuff in the trial, but when I was reading Wiki's, like, section of it, they didn't really mention a lot about it. I mean, I'm sure if they were there, they probably said some stuff, but I mean... Because why would they go after this kid from out of town, you know? I know, exactly. And I'll probably... Kylie Voice, I'll talk about that more later. But, I mean, we can say already right now, none of this happened. At all. Wow. So what happened for her to lie? Why did she? Yeah, lie? that's yeah. so weird. What are you just bored? Like, I know yeah. exactly. Or were you scared that these black 
kids came to the store, so you made up the story. So they but also, it is a know. common store that a lot of people went into. Exactly. So it's not a like she should be coppers. surprised. I know, exactly. So I don't know what her goal was. But, I mean, regardless, there has there have been, like, other stories like this where a white woman has lied about something that happened to her. Like, oh my god, I just did a episode on this. Yeah, the um, um, one with the Scott, boys on the train. Scott's four boys. Yeah, exactly. Those two women lied about those black boys raping them when none of that happened. So, I mean, like, this has happened before. It, has, yeah. it happens probably now, too. So, I mean, I don't know what her goal was, but regardless, she lied. So, da-da-da. So, okay, so that's what, quote, happened, unquote. Mm. Um, so, after that. Simon and Emmett left the store, and then Carolyn got a gun from her car. Um, the teenagers who were there saw her do this, and they were like, oh shit, let's go. So they left. Mm-hmm. And um, some people also say that Emmett whistled at her again while she was going to her car, but nah. I highly doubt that. Um, da 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 so another boy this random boy ran across the street to tell the other boy I mentioned before Curtis Jones about what happened don't know how he got this information I don't really know it's so confusing um so and Curtis was playing checkers with this older guy and he was like oh shit you guys need to leave cause I'm afraid something's gonna happen to you guys right so, and then Carolyn went and blabbed to a bunch of people about what happened in the store. So the story spread extremely quickly. Um, and Curtis and Emmett were really, really afraid to tell Mose Wright, the preacher, because yeah. they were like, we're going to get in trouble. So they never told him. Mm. And then apparently after all this happened, Emmett said, you know what? I just want to go home to Chicago and be with my mom. I'm still confused if they were freaked out about something happening. See, what is I it? don't know. That's why the story is so weird and confusing because no one knows exactly what happened <sighs> in that store at all. You know what? I bet. Maybe it was that, just that they saw her with a gun and were like, I something know. went. Something Holy happened. Shit, I want to go home. Yeah. Or like, maybe she was. Um, they went into the store and they. And she noticed them. Like I felt this. I feel this all the time. Like when I go into a store and someone is uncomfortable with my presence, I can feel that. So mm-hmm. maybe they went into the store and she felt uncomfortable with those kids being there. A kid, yeah. maybe a kid she's never seen before, and she was like, "Oh my god!" And maybe they felt that energy too. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. No one really knows what happened. So, okay, moving on. So Carolyn's husband, Roy figured out what happened, and he was like, oh shit, we need to take action. So what he did was he went around questioning every single black boy he could find. Great. He even picked up a random black boy from the street, brought him all the way back to their store, and was like, is this the kid? And everyone's like, no, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he was... That's crazy. That's crazy. I know. So, um, after talking for a bit, they figured out that... The boy Roy was looking for was he's an outsider. He's a guy from Chicago, and he's staying with Moe's. Right, that's what they found out. Right, mm-hmm. so um, he he was like, okay, so he got help from his half brother, this guy named J- um, John William Millam or J W, and they were like J W, yeah, and they were like, let's go get Emmett. So 
in the early hours, early morning hours between 2 a.m. and 3.30 a.m. on August 28th, 1955, Roy and J.W. drove to Moses' house. Um, J.W. was armed with a pistol and a flashlight. Um, so they showed up at the house and they knocked on the door. Mose opened the door and, and he was like, what's up? And they were like, do you have three boys in from Chicago, like sleeping in your house or three? whatever? Yeah, three. I don't know. I don't know. That's what this. And he was like, so, um, Emmett was, um, there were eight people in this house. This was a two bedroom cabin. There were eight people there. So I bet they were able to find him very quickly. So they, they, they got him, they took him, and, um, oh, sorry, I forgot to leave, I left out a point. Um, when they got there, J.W. said to Mose, take me to the nigger who did the talking. So, they were like, oh my god. So, mm. and also... Emmett's great aunt was like, we'll give you money. Just leave us alone. Like, we'll give you money. And mm. they were like, nope. So they got Emmett and they told him to put on your clothes really fast. Let's go. So they got him and blah, 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 blah. Mose was like, um, Emmett's from the north. He doesn't know any better. Like, just leave him alone. Like, we'll teach him a lesson, blah, blah, blah. And JW was like, how old are you, preacher? And Mose was like uh, 64 years old. And JW said that if you don't like shut up, you won't live to see 65. Oh my god. So after that, I mean, imagine a guy armed mm. saying that to you. Like, yeah. I don't want to fuck with you. So they got Emmett and they go out to the truck. Um, so they tied up Emmett in the back <laughs> of their pickup truck, which was green, if you care to care. Like, if you cared enough. Um, and then they were driving. Um, <laughs> they, um, to wherever they're going. Um, this is where it gets a little, um, violent, I will say. Um, they pistol whipped him on the way there. They knocked him unconscious. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Um, they took him to a random barn. I don't really know the significance of that barn but they took him to a random barn and they began to beat him like apparently there was like four or five people there I don't really know how many people were there but they were um beating him um da 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 there were these people there like neighbors of the barn and they heard yelling and they were like, what's going on? And JW was like, nothing happened. Like, did you hear anything? Like, probably very threatening. He probably had his gun with him. Mm. And the neighbor was like, no, like, I swear to God. And apparently this other guy saw the pickup truck had blood on it. And there was, like, a random shoe there. And JW was like, oh, I just killed a deer. Like, that's my shoe. Like, there's nothing you need wow. to worry about. Yeah. Um... So, this is in an interview with Look Magazine in 1956. Roy and JW were interviewed and they said that they intended, sorry, sorry, spoiler alert, they confessed to the crime. Um, mm -hmm. They intended to beat Emmett and throw him off, like, into a river just to frighten him, right? As you do. As you do. 
Um, and apparently, while they were beating him, Emmett was like, you guys are all bastards. Like, I'm as good as you are. I've had multiple, like, sexual encounters with white women. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, sure. Someone being, like, that. beaten to death is telling you that? Like, a, what, a, a child? Like, sure. So after that, they... With a stutter. I know! Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, those are total lies. So, um, they put Emmett in the back of their truck... Then they drove um, to a cotton gin, and they got this, like, 70-pound, like, fan. Um, and then they drove for several miles more um, looking for a place to dispose of him. Like, he, they don't know if he was dead or not, but he probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took him to a river, shot him in the face, um, and then put his body in the river and then weighed it down with a fan. And then they um, tied the fan, like, extension cord or whatever, around his neck to make sure he was dead. Mm. Which is, like, <laughs> if you were just going to be, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to, like, beat him up a little bit and throw him in a warfare and then, yep. you, like, shoot someone in the face. I know. The fuck? Exactly. It's, it's so much. so violent. It's so unnecessary. Like, obviously, there's just so much hate in this crime. I, I just can't. Um, so, anyway, so after that... They drove back to Roy's house and they burned Emmett's clothes. Then, okay, so I have a quote from JW and I felt weird leaving it out, so I'm going to read it to you. And I do say the N-word quite a few times. So, he said, this is JW talking, this was in 1965 for Look Magazine that he said this. So, he said, well, what else could we do? He was hopeless. I'm no bully. I never hurt a nigger in my life. I like niggers in their place. I know how to work them. But I just decided it was time a few people got put on notice. As long as I live and can do anything about it, niggers are going to stay in their place. Niggers ain't going to vote where I live. If they did, they'd control the government. They ain't going to go to school with my kids. And when a nigger gets close to mentioning sex with a white woman, he's tired of living. I'm likely to kill him. Me and my folks fought for this country. We got some rights. I stood there in that shed and listened to that nigger throw poison at me, and I just made up my mind. Chicago boy, I said, I'm tired of him sending your kind down here to stir up trouble. God damn you, I'm going to make an example of you, just so everyone can know how me and my folks stand. Oh my god. Oh my god. Why would you do that in an interview with a magazine? It's 1965. Fucking absolute dumbass. It's 1965, dude. People that. said that shit all the time. It's I hate so that. Bad. So, going back to Emmett's family. Um, Moe's Wright stayed on his porch forever, waiting for Emmett to come home. He did not go back to bed at all. But when it was, like, a few hours past, he was getting worried. So him and his friend went into town, like, they got gasoline, and they just drove around trying to find Emmett. And they drove around until about 8 a.m., and they couldn't find him at all. So by 8 a.m., they went back home, and um, Mose didn't want to call the police because he was scared. Like, he feared for his own life, so he didn't want to do that. So actually... The cousin I mentioned before, Curtis Jones, um, called the sheriff. And then he called his own mother. And that mother then called Emmett's mother, Mammy. And 
So um, then after that, Mose and his wife, Elizabeth, drove to the next town over and contacted that sheriff. Um, and when Roy and JW were, like, identified, they were questioned by the sheriff, and they actually admitted to have taken the boy from his home. Well, his, like, stay home. Um, but they said that they released him that same night, and he's fine. And then Roy and JW were arrested for kidnapping. Um, and then word got out that Emmett was still missing. Like, no one knew where he was. Mm. Um, so they got help from Medgar Evers, who is a Mississippi... Miss, Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. Mississippi. Um, Mississippi State Field Secretary for the NAACP. And also um, this other person. Um, actually, side note, I've been to his house where he was murdered, and there are still bullet holes there. And, Damn. Uh-huh, yeah, I've been inside his house where he was murdered. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, wow. so um, he was actually assassinated a few years after this. Um, so actually, him and their friend, like, they disguised themselves as cot- cotton pickers, and they went to look in fields, cotton fields, to search for huh. Emmett, which is, I think... That's smart. So wow. smart and so cool. Um, Look so at then, this dummy. I put a feather on his head. No care. He's so cute. Oh. So, um, three days passed, um, and then Emmett's body was finally found by two mm. boys who were fi- fishing in the river. Mm. Um, he was so his face was extremely mutilated um he had been shot above the right ear and um one of his eyes was just completely dislodged from the socket um he was beaten on the back on the hips um like i said before his body was weighed down fastened around his neck he was completely nude um, he was wearing a silver ring with the initials LT, which I imagine to be his father's initials. Mm-hmm. Um, his face was completely unrecognizable due to the trauma and also being uh-huh. in water yeah. for like three days. Um, Mose was called to the river to identify him. And um, the silver ring was removed and given to Mose. Um, yeah. You can look up pictures. I, I'll I'll post pictures on the Instagram of not of his face. I don't want to post pictures of his face. Like I'll post pictures of him before all this happened. Cause yeah, good. He was a very like happy and just like good looking kid. Like you can look it up. I remember in high school we were talking about this in class, and this white girl next to me was like, "Did they throw?" acid on his face or something because that looks pretty intense and I was like no like they did that themselves like you can look it up you can look it up just saying I think that your neighbors are listening to opera music now so like I said before racially motivated crimes and murders happened throughout the south all the time but this was something different um it was the one thing that made everyone give a shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they were like, 
oh no, people are being lynched in the South. But then it's like, oh, oh, he's, he was 14. A 14 year old kid? Oh no, like yeah. this was the, the one thing that made yeah. everyone pay attention. A um, baby? Oh no. I know. Um, a, a bunch of newspapers posted, not posted, oh my god, what time is this? Um, printed stories about him. Um, da, 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 da. The actual, so the Jackson Daily News and this um, other newspaper, Vicksburg Evening Post, um, they did a story and they had a picture of him with his mother on Christmas Day. And everyone was like, oh, fuck no. Now we actually really give a shit. This mm. was a terrible thing that yeah. happened. Um, um, so this is a quote from a newspaper that I thought was interesting. It says, now is the time for every citizen who loves the state of Mississippi to stand up and be counted before hoodlum white trash brings us to destruction. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Um, so, Emmett's body was just then prepared for the funeral and the burial. Um, uh, Mammy was like, my son needs to be sent to Chicago to be buried. Um, she actually worked super, super hard to stop, um, they were going to bury him in Mississippi, but they were like, she was like, fuck no. Which is amazing. Um, so she did that. So good for her. Yeah. Um, there was not an autopsy done whatsoever. I mean, do you that's, need to know the actual cause of death in that situation? That's some. That's true. But okay. So um, a lot of like I said, a lot of people were upset over his murder. Even like the like governor was like, no, this shouldn't have happened. Um, but. Like, how everything goes after a few days of this, um, people were kind of, like, now not too afraid to be like, I don't really care that this kid got murdered. Um, for example, this guy, um, Robert B. Patterson, he was the executive secretary of this place, um, this, like, organization called White Citizens Council, which kind of, um, promoted segregation Mm -hmm. type of thing. And he was like, um, yeah, I mean, Emmett Till died, sure. I mean, that happened. He shouldn't have done that. Um, there are laws that help blacks, like, to be safe or whatever, so he should have followed that law or whatever. So, like, that's super insensitive. Wow. I know. Um, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So, he was sent to Chicago to be buried and stuff, um. Sorry, I'm going to say a few other intense things. Um, so they sent the body to Chicago, and Mammy had to go to properly identify him. And mm. she said that she could smell him from two blocks away. Oh. Which I can't even ma- imagine. Like, your own child. Like, ugh, I can't. Yeah. So, anyway. So then after that, everyone was like, oh, closed casket, closed casket. But she yeah. was like, uh-uh, open casket funeral. She said, there was just no way I could describe what was in that box. No way. I just wanted the world to see. Which wow. is incredibly brave. Like, yeah. In my opinion, if that was my own child, I would be so conflicted. Yeah. But, I mean, taking the situation, like, I get it. But, yeah. oh, she's just such a brave woman. Yeah. And she deserves everything right in the world. 
Okay, so a lot of people showed up. Tens of thousands of people lined the street to go see his body, and that wasn't even the funeral. More people attended his funeral. Wow. So, um, pictures of his body began to circulate, um, appearing in a bunch of magazines and newspaper. Um, da, 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 da. So, Time Magazine actually um, published one of the photographs showing Mammy, like, in by the casket, like, crying over her dead son. You can look it up. It's one of the 100 most influential images of all time, um, according to Time Magazine. Um, and uh, this is a quote from them. For almost a century, African Americans were lynched with regu- regularity and impunity. Now, thanks to a mother's determination to expose the barbarousness of the crime, the public could no longer pretend to ignore what they couldn't see. Um, Emmett was buried on September 6th in All Sip, Illinois. Um, okay. Um, a little bit kind of on media media atmosphere on this um there was a bunch of stuff about newspapers falsely reporting riots at the funeral home Hmm. in chicago Hmm. um there's also stuff how like roy and jw a lot of photos of them appearing in newspapers was there was was them of like um sorry i can't talk i'm gonna rephrase that A lot of photos of Roy and JW in, like, newspapers, like, the photos were, like, they were smiling, they were wearing their military uniforms, like, a lot of newspapers almost, like, praised how beautiful Carolyn was, and, um, just a lot of rumors going, so weird. I know, a lot of rumors going around how upset black people were and how they were rioting and there was going to be a second civil war and stuff like that and I kind of put in my little note um this stuff happens all the time and my big example is I don't know if you remember I think you probably should um the Ferguson yes stuff of course when you look at the news well when I was looking at the news during that time I didn't watch a lot because made me too upset but a lot of the photos shown were like people like looting, you know, out yeah. in the stores and like, oh, Michael Brown, he smoked weed, so he must have been like a bad kid. Like stuff like that. Yeah. I would see on the news all the time, just like getting you to look away from what actually happened and pointing the blame on someone else. Yeah. Like saying, Oh, look at these black people. They're rioting, and Michael Brown smoke weed, and blah, blah, blah. There's a reason why. That kind of stuff. So that's a, an example I can think of, something more modern to kind of relate yeah. to this. Um, another thing is one of the, like, county sheriffs was like, um, that's not his body. Because you couldn't really tell who it was mm. by looking at it. And he said that Emmett Till was probably still alive somewhere. This was just a, a trick or, like, a game what? being pulled by the NAACP to make it seem like black people had it so hard. What? And then Exactly. Some trick. Wow. Exactly. And then I wrote my other little note is I've done 
Well, I've done research on a lot of stories about how the NAACP has kind of planted people to help out. But when you think of them doing tricks and stuff like that, it's like they were the ones who chose Rosa Parks yeah. to be like, no, I'm not giving up my seat. They were the ones that helped choose which children were going to take the tests to figure out who was who was going to integrate yeah. public schools in the South. Like, that was the kind of stuff they did. They didn't do dirty shit. And like also, this. like, in all of those cases, they were picking somebody that would have, like, the minimum amount of things for people to get mad at them exactly. for. Exactly. Exactly. It's like this... Like, that's why they sense. chose Rosa Parks. I know. And so it's like... Exactly. This, this is not what they're about. I know. So then to um, prove that this guy was wrong, in 2005, they actually um, exhumed Emmett's body. They did multiple tests, and they confirmed, like, yes, this is Emmett Till. So they can shut the fuck up. So... I wrote, I did a quick note, um, like I said before, trial stuff in Wikipedia was, like, so long and so complicated that I just did a few key details. Okay. So, um, Roy and JW, they were, in fact, indicted for murder. They weren't indicted for kidnapping, though, which is interesting. You probably just wanted to get them on a bigger charge. Oh, yeah, true. So, um, uh, the trial was held in a county courthouse, um, blah, blah, blah. The trial was held in September of 1955, lasted for five days. Um, the courthouse was indeed segregated, so black people and reporters from, like, across the U.S. showed up, but they still had to be, like, segregated from both Mm -hmm. sides. Um, a sheriff, a, a, a local sheriff of the county... He would, um, like, stand outside the doors and welcome black people. And he'd be like, hello, niggers. Great. As they walked in, which is great. Um, the jury was a group of white guys. Because black people and women were banned from being on this jury. And also, they were allowed to drink beer while they were there serving food. The jury or whatever, well, however gotta it's called. Stay refreshed. Yeah, and I've also, done jury duty once. Did you drink beer? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> True, it was a little refreshing. And said I read an entire book on genetics. What a Sam boo! <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh, uh, so a bunch of the white people that showed up to watch the trial were armed. Joy, love it. Um, that was great. Um. Uh, mil- I was saying melodical of you, but um, sounded very sing songy. It was. Oh, thank you. But I almost said methodical, so <laughs> that too. Um. Ooh, here's the thing. Um, Roy and JW were not extremely wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but. However, good for them, a bunch of attorneys were like, you know what, I'm going to support you for free. Of like, course. pick me, pick me. And also, a bunch of people would, like, set out collection jars, like, I, in their store the and be like, early, Help. The early, um, fuck it, what's that website called? GoFundMe. Go Thank you. GoFundMe for, like, uh, white racists. Um, I mean, that probably <laughs> exists on the yeah, on the GoFundMe site. They so. um, actually ended up getting $10,000 in donations from gross, locals. Gross, 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 gross. Exactly. So. In 1960s money? Uh, 1955. 
Because ten thousand dollars in fifty five money is probably like a million dollars now. True. Okay, so in nineteen fifty five, one dollar was equivalent to our in our times nine dollars and thirty seven cents. So, what is that? Like ten thousand dollars times nine point thirty seven. Yeah. $93,700. I mean, if you want to do math in your head, that's nine. Yeah, $93,700. That's almost $100,000. Yeah, wait, I was going backwards and being like, if it's 10000 in today's money, then it would be like yeah, a million back then. Um, on September 23rd, the jury... Um, found the defendants can you guess it not guilty not guilty they deliberated for 67 minutes what? um one juror said if we hadn't stopped to drink pop it would have wouldn't have taken that long so what was their reasoning i don't know i don't know they're a bunch of white guys so what do you expect <sighs> um also, a bunch of the jurors were like, oh yeah, like Roy and JW were totally guilty, but they didn't think, so it was either that they were going to get the death penalty or life um, in, in prison. And they were like, I don't think that's... But they the- would only get death if the jury was unanimous. I know. So it doesn't even matter. They didn't think those penalties like were fit for punishment for whites who killed black people. There is an option for you to say that, juries. Yeah. I think. I actually don't know. But oh. um so post trial people were putting the blame everywhere, but the one person they put the blame on the most was Emmett. No, her okay. his mother, Mammy. Oh. They were like, When you went up to testify, you didn't cry enough and that's why they didn't oh. find the guys guilty, so Okay. Talk about a little about her, because she's amazing and she deserves everything in the world. Um she actually got married again after and from what I can tell about like what trauma feels like that person must have been pretty amazing for her yeah to get married again after all that shit that's just my opinion um but I don't know I don't know I don't know their life um she became a teacher and she continued to educate people about her son's murder um Mm. so uh oh here um so, the first highway marker, Remembering Emmett Till, um, that was created in 2006, but was then quickly defaced with, um, someone wrote KKK on it, and so they come, just, like, covered it in black paint. Um, in 2007, eight other markers, um, were created, like, for at the sites associated with his murder, um... The marker by the river um, was torn down in 2008, um, but then a replacement sign got put up, but someone um, shot 100 bullet holes. Oh, no, sorry. No, that's not right. Mina, cut that out. So I sound like an idiot. A replacement sign um, received more than 100 bullet holes over the next few years. I've seen a picture of that. Yes. This is actually quite recent. Another replacement of a different site um, was installed in June of 2018. But then by July, it was vandalized by bullets. No one knows who, do, who, who did it, which is crazy. 
to think it's like I, that's why? like 50 almost over 50 years that this has happened and people are still defacing his honor like what like i just don't understand people who would find the need to do that now it's like what fucking well, racist well yeah. yeah but it's like what is your issue with it i know <laughs> it's it's very sad so, um, I want to end on, in my opinion, this is a very happy note. Um, so, um, Roy and JW, like, as we know, I mentioned before, they, they admitted to murdering Emmett Till, like, they did it. Yeah. So, um, after that spread, everyone was like, oh, you actually did it? Yikes. So, they completely separated themselves from Roy and JW, Many of their, like, former friends and supporters, like, people who, like, contributed to their, like, defense funds, completely cut them off. Like, black people boycotted their shops that they, like, brought up. Um, Two, like, they went bankrupt. Like, their shops closed. Um, Banks refused to grant them loans. Um, Is this what you deserve? Yeah, and JW, after, like, struggling for a really long time to secure a loan and, like, trying to find someone who would, like, rent an apartment to him, um, he managed to secure 217 acres on a $4,000 loan to plant cotton, but blacks refused to work for him, so he was forced to pay whites for higher wages. So, this is this is him. Yeah, I'm weeping when I so I'm getting what I deserve. I'm weeping when I so. Um, (laughs) um, so JW was he like worked as like a heavy equipment operator for a while, um, but he got sick really fast, so that forced him into retirement. I love this song. Over the few years, <laughs> um, he was like arrested for shit like assault and battery and like writing bad checks and also using a stolen credit card. And then, oh, love the song, my God, he died of <laughs> spinal cancer on December thirtieth, nineteen eighty, at the spinal age of sixty-one. Cancer. Good riddance. I, I didn't know that was that thing, exactly. but also good fucking riddance. Good fucking riddance. And then here's another happy note. Um, Roy, the guy, um, uh, so he went blind, so he had to quit his job as a welder in Texas. Um, he and Carolyn divorced. Um, who cares? He fucking died of cancer on September 1st, 1994, at the age of 63. Love it. I hope you die. He didn't even get a thousand to deaths. Rot forever. bitch. Rot bitch. I thought you were going to say your good note was that you've talked to God and they're both in hell. <laughs> they both died of cancer. So that's my great Also, Also, off. spinal cancer sounds especially your I know. That's God smiting you. That's down. God smiting yeah. you. Exactly. So that is the story of Emmett. Thank you. Wow. Rest in power. Thank you. That was good. Uh, mine is a uh, happier. Short and sweet. It's short and sweet. Yeah. Yay. Um, and actually didn't intend to do any like American Black History Month type stuff. Um, but the person I will be talking about is um indeed black though. They are definitely not American though. Oh. Uh, this is pre-America. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, today I will be talking about Ziryab. Nice. Um. No, it's the alternate name. True. Yes. So I'm just gonna dive right in. Do yeah. it. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. Um, Jinx. 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 J
I don't know if I'm even pronouncing this name right, but uh, Zeryab was born Abu I Hassan Ali Ibn Nafi. Um, Zuryab translates to blackbird, which is a reference to both his dark skin tone, his versatile tongue. He was a great singer as well. Blackbird fly into the note, not the rest of the words. Um, so the location, location of his birth is debated. It's either Mosul or Baghdad. Mm -hmm. Um, probably Baghdad. But, um, so in his day, Baghdad was the hub of the Islamic world, particularly for music, um, which is his original area of study. Okay. And this, um, is all happening towards the beginnings of what is the Islamic Golden Age, so, like, this is 9th century. Um, he started, he probably started training at an early age, and it's agreed that his teacher was a well-known musician called Ishaq al-Masili, and at some point, Zuryab left Baghdad to move to Al-Andalus, which is the bottom half of Spain and Portugal, um, also known as Iberia and Cordoba. Iberian Peninsula! Yes. And why he left Baghdad is up for debate, but it's possible that he did a performance for a, this, like, religious leader so well that his mentor was like, oh, shit, you're better than I am, so you just need to get out of town. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, and, I'll, okay, I'll say this now. Say it. So, Zuryab was likely the child of slaves, of African slaves, or he was born into slavery and, like, got freed, or or he was his music teacher's slave okay. and kind of, like, rose out of that. He began somewhere as a slave, and eventually it seems like he got freed somewhere along the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he left town sometime after the year eight, 813. So, first he went to Syria, then he landed in Tunisia for a while. He had a falling out uh, with the court where he was staying, but luckily he had an invite to Al-Andalus from um, the ruler there, Al-Hakam I, who ended up dying before his arrival, but luckily his son, the prince, still welcomed him, and they would eventually become very close friends. Got it. Yes. So, Ziryab lands in Cordoba, a.k.a. Al-Andalus, and he immediately starts fucking shit up in high society. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, somewhere along the way, it wasn't very clear, but somewhere along the way in his early life, he just, like, rose up in ranks and popularity and, like, I don't know. He's friends with, like, all the leaders. Um, soon he... He's like Josephine Baker. He just, like, yeah. used his charm. Yeah. <laughs> it's... He must have. Really. Yeah. Um, he... Just starts out with a salary of 20 gold dinars a month. And I don't what does know, that mean? <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know what he was getting paid for. But He, he was, was getting, getting a salary. He was getting paid. True. Yeah. Which is something. Big I love time. money. So. Yeah. Um, he quickly became the most celebrated person in the court as an aficionado of food, music, fashion, and singing. Um, what a fucking goal. <sighs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> um, so he... Zuryab created standards of excellence in these fields, which I'll get back to later, 
and um, new norms for Noble. You can't see that I'm shaking my head. <laughs> um, he also created new norms for noble and elegant manners. Um, he basically made some fucking etiquette. Yeah, and that is just like a Tuesday for this guy. Nice. Um, so he also invented Tuesday. Yes, True. that too. <laughs> um, so look at trying to get into a box. Griffin, don't put yourself in a box, Griffin. There's so much more to explore in life. Like bags. He's like, I'm gonna go fart. <laughs> um, okay, so Zeryab was well versed in classical subjects like astronomy, geography, and history. Nice. Um, after becoming a major cultural figure, he was given a huge raise. Just for being him. Cool. For nothing specific. Time served. Yeah. Um, so Zeryab and the prince become very close, like I said. So this is a quote from some guy named Al-Makari. Mm-hmm. Uh, this goes to show Zeryab's character. He said, there never was, either before or after him, a man of his profession who was more generally beloved and admired. So everyone oh, that's so cool. Um, he created the school for musicians and singers, which I read in some places it was the first like conservatory in the world. Really? It was, wow. it was definitely the first one on the Iberian Peninsula. Or one of the first. My god. He's never done that. I think I gotta just skip the letterbox. Boy. What are you doing? He's no me. Okay. She didn't even sit like that. Well, though. she kind of like goes She's out. She puts herself out. So. Yeah, he was just standing halfway She's out. So weird. Yeah. If you could hear that, sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's let's get through this. Yes. No. Um. So he created the school, um, which. So he's teaching all these people. His influence on music lasted for at least two generations after him. And I'm thinking that's just his direct influence because he he did a lot. Um, so the school taught both men and women, and it was popular for aristocrats, but he also took on slaves as students. Wow. Yeah. Um, he created new techniques of teaching music and singing, and this, and I read about a few of them. One was, like, putting a piece of wood in students' mouths to, like, open up their mouth more. Oh, that's like when you put a cork in it, and then, but that's different. Yeah, this that's seems different. more intense and, like, scary. Mouth shutter? It makes sense. Yeah. Um, Those are things that exist. Yeah, yeah, but this is, like, as you're singing, you got a piece of wood in there. I don't know. That it's makes sense, scary. though. scary. Do you put marbles in your mouth? Yeah. Sure. I know that from the movie, The King's Speech. Okay. Excuse me. Um, so, it was said... Things are coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> it was said that Zuryab improved the oud, which is a lute, a.k.a. a guitar type thing. Ew. He added a fifth pair of strings to the, like, bass side, um, and he, like, dyed the other strings different colors... He created a unique style of musical perform- performance, and his songs were sung in Iberia for generations after him. Nice. Um, this boy, like, has been in the litter box for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. It's like that sometimes. What the fuck, Griff? Um, Zuryab was incredibly influential to Spanish music's music and is still considered the founder of Andalusian music in Northern Africa. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so even though... The music was, like, his original thing. He, like, 
fucked up other things like like for the good um so he created the trend of dressing according to season so like winter spring and stuff what that's kind of why there are like winter spring collections of like high fashion now (laughs) what yeah yeah um, he also suggested wearing a different outfit for morning, evening, and night, which I'm like, that's too much, but whatever. Dude. Um, so, hygiene, of all things, was, like, one of his major, like, points. Mm-hmm. He invented a new kind of deodorant and promoted bathing in morning and evenings. Wow. He also invented like, the first early kind of toothpaste. What? And there's not much known about the recipe, but it was supposed to have, like, tasted good. Um, And at the time in that Islamic society, people of all genders wore their hair long, kind of, like, parted down the middle. Men grew beards. Um, And Zuria popularized shaving for men and a new haircut concept. Bangs. What? Wow. He invented bangs? <laughs> I got bangs. Bangs. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. He also introduced using salt and oils to improve hair conditioning, so like shampooing really. Oh. Um, and it's rumored that he like might have opened beauty parlors as well. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Okay, and he also changed the way people eat. So he introduced new kinds of produce, including asparagus, to mm. um, the people of this region. And it sounded to me like asparagus, well, it was really just like a spring weed, mm-hmm. really. And it sounded like it was kind of poor people food, but he was like, this is really delicious and everyone should eat it. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, as well... If he didn't... Oh, sorry. If he didn't invent asparagus... They could have never made that joke in Elf. That's like so funny, you know the one that's like a tribe of, of asparagus children, and they're self conscious about how they're. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. So funny. Uh, yes, that's so cool. He's amazing. Um, and he also created the concept of a three course meal. What? Yes. He was like, I need to eat more. He was like. You should bring out the courses, like, separately. Can You can have this nice progression. That's so wow. cool. That's um, so cool. Yeah. Um, so most people um, were drinking out of their plain gold metal cups. Boring. Boring. <laughs> um, so he had the idea to create cups out of crystal. And ah, we still do that. Yeah. You know, crystal and glass. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, he created new recipes, and there are multiple dishes uh, across multiple cultures that are kind of like named after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zuryab ended up having eight sons and two daughters, some of whom ended up being accomplished music- musicians in their own rights. Um, his children and his pupils, specifically slave women, kept his musical legacy going for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really difficult to quantify his impact because he single-handedly changed this huge society, which was in its golden age. And, I mean, his, like, ideas and concepts spread across Europe as well. That's crazy. So this one dude who, like, was a black slave... Kind of created everything. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's so cool. That's unreal. I never knew about him. Thank yeah. you for telling that story. Of course. Uh, wow. That is all. Yeet. Um, do you want to do happy things? 
I guess I can go. Um, I'm just really happy that my um, rehearsals for the play I'm in started. I really like the people I'm with, and it's an interesting group of like people, and um, it's kind of nice. the The pace, the professional pace, of like a play is nice, and it's just really fun. Even though it's like rehearsals are really long and it's like taking up a lot of my schedule, but like regardless, like it's still super fun. So yeah, that's mine. Nice. Yeah. Me. Um. I um I like got one line of code in my stats homework before anybody else. And nice. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. I've never been like I'm not very good at math. And I was like, oh, I did that one. And turns out no one in my cohort had done it yet. So I gave the code to everybody else. And I I was so proud of myself. I'm proud of you. I was like, I'm going to put this on my LinkedIn. Like, kind of joking. But also, I'm, like, very proud. (laughs) Like, it's not even that great of a line. Like, whatever. But I did it. And also, when I say... Um, we're doing multilinear regressions. It makes it sound like I'm like really smart, but mm-hmm. I I kind of don't really know what I'm doing. But and we're doing multilinear regressions. My teacher is like, so there's many planes and there's four dimensions, and I was like, dude, please stop. But then when other people are like, you're doing linear regressions, I'm like, yeah, I guess that means I know things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, watch me fail this exam, but <laughs> I will Good. take my successes in statistics. Where I can fucking get them. Hell yeah. And that's oh, also yeah. what I've learned in college. Take your successes when you can. That's, that's so, so true. true. <laughs> that's real. Okay. Um. I am helping a friend of mine start this organization uh, that aims to promote diversity in the interior design and architecture fields. And I think it's gonna be cool. And nice. Sounds cool. Yeah, I'm excited to work on it. Yeah. Noise. Excited for you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a. So yeah, it's a headline. So this is uh from Market Watch. Uh, it was posted January thirty first, two thousand nineteen. Um, and this is just the title of the article. It says. As measles outbreak spreads, one anti-vaxxer asks how to keep her child safe. I saw that. Yeah, like, how? what? How do you do how? that? How do you? What? It's just Ew. fucking crazy. I love that I had to take a screenshot. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social medias True. for cat pictures. Cat pictures. Visual aids. Yes. Other fun things. And like and subscribe <laughs> if you like and listen. True fucking, leave me a fucking comment. Oof. Because I'm very, very lonely. All we will do is say that we love you. So. True. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs>